0: Welcome and welcome back, everybody. We are continuing now the second week of our series called Joy to the World, where we've been talking exactly about that. Joy. Joy. And last week, if you were here, you know this. If you weren't, you can go catch up so that you have the the full picture But last week, what we discovered together is that joy is more than mere happiness alone, and that joy is deeper than happiness. And joy is something that you and I can choose to experience when we partner with God and His work in our lives. But if you've had the experience that I've had, and that many people have, you will find that joy in the journey of life, even joy during Christmas time, which is the season of joy. Joy seems elusive to us, hard, difficult to come by because of the difficulties of life. In fact, some of you that were here last week may have been uh, having a conversation with me in your head, a little bit of an argument, or maybe already you're doing a little bit of the push back and go joy man what what are you talking about joy you must not understand what I'm going through that just sounds crazy it just sounds unrealistic that I can actually experience joy right now in fact I'm a little insulted and I think you're a little clueless pastor because you just think we can choose joy no matter what's going on and yada 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 yeah I, I get it I understand and, and there's a lot I don't know about your story and there's a lot I, I don't know about what you're experiencing I, I'll give you that at the same time, I know what it's like, and I think we all know what it's like, when negative things just pile up on you. makes joy seem impossible. You've got discouragement and then confusion, which causes questions because of the problems and the pain. And it just layers itself one on top of another, and it, it just makes joy seem Absolutely impossible given our current circumstance or our current experience and our journey of life. And I'm not even talking about the people who just refuse joy. Right? We have a word for them, especially this time of year. You know, the Scrooges out there. I'm not even talking about people that just refuse to be joyful in any way. Now I'm talking about you and me, those of us who are going through some real stuff. And we have a phrase that we use to describe it. And and we will will say, this is just sucking the joy right out of my life, right? You ever said that? I had somebody say that to you, man, that's just sucking the joy right out of my life. Or, Or maybe there's someone in your life that's just sucking the joy right out of your life. But for some of you, you are experiencing grief and loss because someone you love is no longer with you. And they passed this past year, which just seems a little bit more raw around the holidays, doesn't it? And you're like, joy? Ah, That just sucks the joy right out. Or maybe for you, it's more along the lines of, your job situation and you you've just lost your job, you're unemployed or you can't find adequate work and you're struggling financially on top of it and and the financial pressures are just so much you're just like oh man, joy during the holidays, I can't afford. I can barely make it. For others of you, your experience may be one of your own personal health. You're going I'd love to I'd love to be filled with joy. I'd love to choose joy. You don't understand what I'm battling. For some of you, it may be depression, anxiety that's just choking the joy out of you. Or maybe you're just worried. You're worried. You're worried about life. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about your grandkids. You're worried about someone you love. Or maybe you have a big decision that's looming in the background of everything that's going on in your life right now, and you're not quite sure what you're going to do. But you know you got to make a decision. You know you got to do something, and you can hardly, can hardly just you know, joy. You know, listen to the songs and Christmas music, ah, because you got this thing nagging. You're not quite sure what you're going to do. Or maybe you're afraid, and fear is paralyzing you. Or maybe there's a relationship in your life that is unhealthy. And you're going, man, this is sucking the joy out of life. And for some of you, what I've just described is the reason why you no longer follow Jesus, or you no longer believe, or you stop going to church, or maybe this is your first time back, or first time back ever, or first time ever, or first time back in a long time, and because you're just like, I've never been able to reconcile the fact that. You know, There's a God who loves us and is good, and yet all this pain in my life, I don't know how to reconcile the presence of pain and this idea of joy. So you just walked away from the whole thing. Well, I want you to understand something, and I, I want to try to help paint this picture for us over the next few moments. I think this is so important for us to understand something that is true, even though it, it's going to sound odd. It's this right here, that joy and pain are not opposite, even though they feel like opposites. And even though they seem like opposite realities, joy and pain are not opposite. Joy and pain coexist. They share the same space in our lives, in the same places of our lives, it is possible that you and I, listen carefully, can be joy-filled even though things around us are not joyful. You can actually be joy-filled, I didn't say your life was perfect and I didn't say everything was happy and up and to the right and easy, no, but you can be joy-filled even though things in your life are not joy-full. Joy can live in the midst of pain, not just after pain. And often, that's what we're waiting on, right? We're waiting for the after. We're waiting for it and, and we say it, well, you know, well, when this is over, when this is over, things will get better and I, I cannot wait, I cannot wait to, you know, to celebrate and be joyful when this is over, when that is over, when that is gone, when that is fixed, when, when they are no longer or that is no longer and we fill in the blank, but I'm letting you know that even though it's normal and natural to celebrate and have good times after hard times, you don't have to wait for the hard times to be over, to experience joy now. In fact, we, we find this over and over again in the, in the scriptures. In the New Testament, i want to show you just two places that, that help us see that joy and pain coexist. They share the same place and space. One of them is written uh, to us by Jesus' brother, James, and this is what James writes, the Christians in the first century, and it's just as true for us today as it was for them then. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Consider it. There's the decision, the choice we talked about last week. You, you can decide. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Not, not after you face trials, not when the trials are over, but whenever, whenever trials are happening, in the same time, same place, same space, consider it an opportunity to experience joy. Why? Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, if you're like me, I don't want perseverance. I don't want that. I don't like that. I want my problems to get fixed. Anybody with me? I want the pain to stop. I don't want perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance. You can have that. Right? That's what I feel. That's right. But what I need, what you need is to clue into. Here's what God is saying to us through James. He's saying to us, there's something deeper going on here. There's, there's layers of this. God is doing something in our lives through this pain. So joy and pain. It's not, it's not joy after the pain. It's joy in pain. It's joy during pain. It's consider it pure joy when this happens because there's something else at play. Peter also said the very same kind of thing. He said it a little bit differently, but same point. Peter writes to a group of Christians, by the way, who are being persecuted for their faith, okay? And by persecuted, I don't mean canceled on social media. I mean like killed, hunted down and killed. That's a whole different level of cancel y'all, okay? So be truly glad you people who are running for your life because you believe in Jesus. So truly be, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. And this little while is not, it'll be over by next Tuesday, little while. This is a little while meaning on this side of eternity, in your life on earth, little while. That there's great joy ahead, even though at the same time, even though at the same time, not after, not when it's all gone, not when it's over, but even when there are many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Again, there's something else going on. There's deeper layers here. It's not just what you see and experience and feel on the surface. There's great joy ahead, even though there are many trials ahead. Get that. There's many trials coming your way. Sorry to break it to you. But at the same time, there's great joy ahead. But see, you know this. I think you know this. Don't you know someone? And haven't you noticed? And maybe you haven't until now, but haven't you noticed? You probably have people in your life, people who have the deepest faith, the most sincere love for God, people who passionately follow Jesus. Have you ever noticed that these people most often have you experienced great pain? You'd think it'd be the opposite, right? And I know a couple of those stories too. I know there's exceptions. I know some people are like, I mean, as soon as things go bad and they stay bad for a little while, they go packing and they're like done with church, done with God, done with everything that doesn't feel good. You know, they're just like, Cause I don't understand how God's good and God's loving and my life ain't fixed. Very self-absorbed and, and pain can do that to you. But for the most part, The people in my life, and listen, I've been doing this a little while, almost 30 years I've been pastoring, and I have met a lot of people and met a lot of followers of Jesus. The people who I have found have the most sincere, passionate, deep, abiding relationship with God and have the greatest amounts of joy. They're not happy all the time, but I mean deep joy are people who have gone through some bad stuff. And survived it. And God has brought him through it. Why is that? Because joy and pain share the same space. Joy and pain coexist. And maybe you're thinking, well, how, 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 how do I experience joy then? Okay, I hear what you're saying. I'd, I'd like some of that. How do, how do I experience joy in times of pain? I need to let you know that the next few minutes is level 10 stuff. This is not for the faint of heart. This is not Jesus 101. This is some deeper stuff. This is layered stuff. This is stuff that will call us to growth and maturity. And I wish I could give you nice and easy. I wish I could give you a formula. I wish I could tell you, just do this, eat this, say this, or pray this. And you'll have all the joy you could possibly want. I, I can't do that for you. But what I can do, what I can do, is know you, help you know what you can do. What I can do is help you know what you can do. To move in the direction of choosing joy in the presence of pain. In order to do so, I want to take you back to something Paul wrote some Christians in the city of Philippi. Something that we saw last week. We saw just the beginning of it last week, but I want to read that again from last week. And then we're going to go further. We're going to go deeper into the passage. But before we read it, I need to let you know that Paul is writing this from prison. He's writing this thing From prison, (laughs) again, a whole different kind of reality of pain. I, I know you're having trouble finding a parking spot, but you're not in prison, right? You know, and I know your problems are deeper than that. I get it, I get it. But sometimes I'm like the stuff that we call pain, the stuff we call persecution, the stuff we call hard times in life, and it's just, you know, you're waiting on a package that should have been here two weeks ago, and it's still not here. And so I get it. That's frustrating, but you're not in prison. So Paul from prison writes, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And again, he's not talking about happiness. We talked about this last week. He's not saying always be happy because Paul wasn't always happy. You don't always feel good. It's not always, it wasn't just this surfacey. just put on a happy face and smile. No, it's just always be full of joy. Okay, so how, what's that about? How can I experience that? What he does next even though it's not a formula, it's not a one, two, three kind of thing. He does give us kind of three action steps to help us, help put us in the posture to, to, be, to always be full of joy, no matter what is going on. And again, he's writing from prison to people who are often being persecuted for their faith. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This seems like such a cliche uh, platitude, but it's not, okay? Okay. Uh, don't worry about anything. This this is not, don't misunderstand. This is not guilt and shame for those of you who worry. Because if you're a human being, you probably worry. I worry. We all worry. If, if, if you haven't worried about something lately, you probably, you, you know, you're just, you're not normal like the rest of us. It's just, we all worry about stuff, okay? And, and this is not, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'll, I'll show you what it is. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray. About everything. And when he says pray about everything, he's trying to make a point here about worry. He's not literally saying pray about everything like gray socks, black socks. Dear God, I don't know what color socks to wear today. No, it's not what he's saying, okay? Here's what he's saying. Anything that you find yourself worrying about, pray about that. Okay, if socks are a big deal and you're worried about it, fine. You might want to pray about them, but you know what I'm saying. Anything that would bring you to the point of worry. Is something you can take to your Heavenly Father. And my gut tells me that this thing that's sucking the joy out of your life is a place and a point of worry for you. You take that to your Heavenly Father. Okay, I'm worried about this. I'm just consuming me. I can't, I can hardly think about anything else. I can hardly do anything else. I don't really want to eat. It's hard, I mean, it's hard to focus. It's hard to listen to Christmas music. It's hard to be fun, you know, it's hard to, I'm just so worried about this, Lord it begins taking it to him. And then he goes on. The second thing is the first is prayer. It moves us to experience joy and pain. Then he says, fix your thoughts on what is true, dear brothers and sisters. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. The second thing is it's thinking. You see, the challenge is, is, is we, we rarely think about what we think about. We just think. We just think. We just think. We just let thoughts happen. And we don't ever stop and think about what we're thinking about. It's so important to think about what you're thinking about, especially when you're going through difficult times, because if you're not careful, it's what's happening in the battle of the mind, right? That, that's where the challenge is. So think about, okay, I'm going to take this to God and I'm going to think about, what am I thinking about? He says, think about what is good and true and praiseworthy and admirable. You think, of you you are actually in control of what you decide to spend your thoughts on. You're not always in control of the thoughts you have, but you are in control of the thoughts you keep. Right? Sometimes things just kind of come in, you know, it's like the whole thing, you know, you'll never be able to, Keep a bird from landing on your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. You don't know if you've heard that. That's, that's interesting to me because I don't have that experience. Yeah, think about what you think about. That. Okay, so pray. Okay, we're, Joy and pain. I'm, I'm going to take this to Heavenly Father. Anything I'm worried about, I'm, I'm going to take that to him. And, and then, okay, I mean, what am I thinking about here? Is this helpful for me? Is this good? And we'll, we'll come back to that. And, and then one more. Watch this. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, and everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you, and that's what we're wanting, right? Are we wanting peace? That's that's what we're looking for. That's what we're hoping for. And He was saying, just keep doing the things you know to do. Keep putting into practice the things that I have taught you and that I've shared with you. Do the things you know to do. It's a behavior. It's a choice. These are the things that help us move in the direction of joy in the midst of pain. Now now taking this, I, I, I want to repackage this a little bit in the form of some questions. I want to give you four questions that you can ask yourself. Again, this is not a formula. It's not if you do this, you're going to be filled with joy. But I'm telling you, if you will do this, it will help you be able to get to a place where you can experience joy in the presence of pain. So how do you be filled with joy when you're losing heart? How do you choose joy when you're losing heart? And I'm not talking about the fake joy. You can be honest with pain. You can be honest. You're hurting. You can be honest that you're struggling. You should be. But ask yourself these questions. Question number one, where's the good? That's what Paul said. Fix your thoughts on that is good. What is good and admirable? Okay, where's the good? Where's the good? It's hard to see the good because pain is so stinking loud. The negative is so loud, right? Pain is so loud, so, where's the good? Rob Bell, pastor, former pastor, author, teacher, speaker, um, thinker, talks a lot about joy. And I, and I love what he said about joy. I heard him say off one time that, that joy gets good at spotting the exceptions, finding light in dark places. Joy gets good at spotting the exceptions in life and in people. And and is never shamed in repeating itself. So in other words, what he's saying is joy, joy looks at a situation and says, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but and, and reminds himself over and over again. And that's what you have to do in times of joy to find joy in times of pain. It's, it's looking for the exceptions and repeating that over and over again, choosing to think about where's the good or an- another way to say it is find the good butt. Find the good butt and focus on that. Our challenge is, is that we get focused on the bad butt, and we do the bad butts very normally and naturally, and nobody has to teach you to go, yeah, but yeah, I know, but and it's bad negative. Okay, let's flip that. Where's the good butt? Let's find the good butt. Okay, we need more good butts. Don't we all agree? You can imagine how great the world would be if there were so many more good butts. You said you're. Thank you. I just needed you to laugh. I just needed you to laugh a little bit. You're like, oh, I'm offended. It won't be the last time. <laughs> laugh at yourself. Laugh. Okay. It's like, yeah, I know, but, 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 but I'm learning. I know this is happening right now, and I don't know why it's happening, but, but I'm growing, and and I know God, I know God is at work in my life, and. But I know God's not finished yet. But I know this is not the end. But I know this is not over. But I know God is doing something that I may not understand and I don't like. But, but, but there's all these blessings in disguise. Find the good but. Where's the good? Where's the good? Where's the good? If you ask yourself that and you spend some time thinking about that, it will help you choose joy. In pain, when you're losing heart. Second question, what else is true? What else is true? I mean, you know what is true, right? Your pain, your problems, your situation. That is true. There's nothing wrong with saying that is true. This is bad. This is not good. This is hard. But what else is true? Because Paul said, fix your thoughts on things that are good and true. What else is true? Other than the pain, other than the situation, other than your circumstance. Be very intentional. What else is true? I'm alive. Perfect. Yeah, what else is true? Well, I'm loved. Yes, you are. What else is true? Well, I have these people in my life. What else is true? Well, I'm blessed. I have food on my table. I have clothes on my back. I have a roof over my head. What else is true? What else is true? Well, that's not happening to me. <laughs> this is happening to me, but it could be worse, right? Isn't it? If you've been there, maybe some of you are there right now. Where even though when you're going through something bad, you comfort yourself by those who are going through worse. Isn't that awful? But that's, sometimes that's, that's what you do. You say, well, that's not happening. Well, that's not happening. Well, it could be worse. Absolutely. What else is true? What else is true? You may look at your life and, and you, maybe all you can muster up is, well, there's always tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. Another opportunity. And you never know. You never know. What else is true? Third. Remember Paul said put into practice, put into practice the things you know to do. Here we go. Here's a question. What's the next right thing to do? What's the next right thing to do? I don't know the future, but I don't need to know the future. I just need to know the next right thing to do. I I just need to figure out what the next step is and then take that step one step at a time. What's the next right thing to do? This is how you choose joy during times of pain when you're losing heart. Where's the good? What else is true? What's the next right thing to do that I can do? And then do that. You don't know the future. You can't control the future, but what you can do is do the next right thing. And then do that. Sometimes it's really simple. The next right thing is to get up, go to work, put your clothes on, do the next right thing. Go to the meeting, do the next right thing. Make the phone call, send the email, send the text. The, the next right thing, have the conversation. Love, serve, give. The next right thing, keep living. Do what you know to do. Do what you can do. Yeah. One more question. Where's my hope? Where's my hope? You want joy? You want to find joy? You want to, you want to choose joy in times of pain? Where's the good? What else is true? What's the next right thing to do? And I'll do that. And what, where's my hope, really? Like, what am I truly hoping in? And what you might find is that you have misplaced your hope in circumstances working out a certain way. And the reason that's misplaced hope is that we can't control circumstances. If we could control circumstances, we wouldn't be in this painful circumstance to begin with, would we? Where's my hope, really? Is it in things working out a certain way? I, I hope we don't do that because we can't control that. In fact, there's no guarantee that things will work out the way you want hope or pray. They actually may be better and you get blown away. But it could be worse. It happens. And so your hope in the certain outcome of things is misplaced hope. Where should our hope be? in the unchanging nature and person and power of Jesus. That God is not finished, that I'm a part of the new creation and God can do anything and God is still at work in me and God is still at work in your life and with God, things are never over. And with God, there is no end. I mean, God is eternal and God can do anything in my situation, in your situation, as painful as it is. You wanna experience joy? You need to make sure that you put your hope in the right kind of thing and it's not circumstances and it's not even other people. You can't control other people and you can't control circumstances. Put your hope in the unchanging nature and power and presence and work of Jesus. Let me tell you why that's not very comforting to some of you. Because that's exactly what you would expect me to say, right? Put your hope in Jesus. That's exactly what you would expect me to say and I just said it. You're like, I hear you, and that sounds great, but it's just not real helpful. Here's why. We have no clue. We have no clue what that really means. We have no clue what we have in Jesus, and when we say to each other, you hear somebody like me say, put your hope in Christ, put your hope in Jesus, we go, you know, yeah, I know that's right. I know that's good. I know I need to want that, but I don't know if that's really helpful right now. I don't know what to do with that. Tim Keller author, teacher, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City for many, many years. Recently passed away in the last several months. He's now in the presence of God, literally. He's now with the Lord. His body succumbed to his battle with pancreatic cancer. And in one of his writings a few years ago, he wrote about the story of a little boy who had a favorite truck and his truck broke and his truck broke and he fell apart as you know, all little kids will do. I mean, it just makes sense, right? I mean, it's his favorite toy, little truck breaks. The kid becomes inconsolable. Dad does everything he can to try to redirect his attention, to try to help him and everything and nothing helped. He just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And finally dad was like, okay, I wasn't planning on sharing this with this little guy. Um, I was going to wait until he was a little bit older, but, you know, I'm desperate. I'll try anything. And so he he decided to let his son in on some choice information he did not have at that point. Dad pulled his son, who's just sobbing over, and he says, hey, listen, you need to know something. We recently had a family member pass away, and they named you in their will and specifically left you $100 million dollars. The boy took one look at his dad and burst into tears again. I mean, just, oh, my truck, my truck, my truck. All he could see and all he could think about and all he wants is his truck. He had no idea that he now has the ability to buy the factory that made his truck. Tim Keller said, in the same way, Christians, me and you, we lack the spiritual capacity to realize all we have in Jesus. That's why when you hear me say, put your hope in Jesus, you go, well, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Because we don't, we have no clue. We have no clue all we have in Jesus. I, I know, I get it. You just want your truck fixed. You just want the situation to go away. You just want the situation to get better. I get it. I feel that too. We have no idea the depths of the riches of love and power and grace and strength and peace that is ours through Jesus. Later on in Tim's life, as he's battling in his final weeks of pancreatic cancer, he was asked, Tim, where's your, how do you how do you have such joy? I mean, you're dying. You're dying. How do you have such a joy? Where? How can you have hope? And here's what Tim said. Well, if the tomb is empty. If, if the tomb really is empty, if Jesus came back from the dead, if Jesus rose again, if that literally happened and all the evidence points to that it is undeniably true, if the tomb is empty, it's, it's gonna be okay. What is gonna be okay? Yeah, it, whatever it is. If the tomb is empty, if Jesus who is who he said he is and has done what he says he has done, And all the evidence points to the fact that he is. It's going to be okay. And if we could hear Tim right now, you know what he would tell us? It's okay. Trust me. It's really okay. It's all gonna be okay. That is where you place your hope. Not in a situation, but in the one who controls it all, who sees it all, who knows it all. Yeah. Jesus is our joy of hope. Jesus is our hope of joy. Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus was born in the city, in the little town of Bethlehem, hundreds of years before that took place, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah that God used to deliver a very joy-filled, encouraging message to a group of people in Israel who were going through a very, 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 very dark time. Oppressed in great pain, more than you and I could possibly imagine, and getting ready to be carried off into exile for the next 70 years, away from their homeland, away from their families, away from their businesses, away from everything that they had ever known, and called home and called theirs. They are in a bad place. And God tells them through Isaiah, something you need to know, because maybe you are a people who walk in darkness right now. He said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government will rest, will be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father the Prince of Peace, Jesus. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can have joy in the midst of pain because of Jesus, not because circumstances are gonna work out a certain way or not. We can't control that. but We can trust you who is over all things. Father, help me, help us. As we look to you to find the good, to to find what else is true, to do the next right thing, and to consistently refocus our hope, not on people, not on things, but on you. And I ask for my brothers and my sisters here that you would help us in times of great pain, have the strength and the grace and the power and the courage to choose a deep, abiding joy because of you, because our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, amen.